but I uh, want to welcome you, and I'm so excited that you're here. want to welcome those that are joining us online. I took my watch off to uh, baptize Harper, and uh, my staff says that I'm not using it anyway, and I want you to just turn around and look what the smart alecks have done if you look behind you. They called me in here the other day, and they said, would you go up on the platform just a minute? I want you to see something. And I came up there, and they said, can you see that? And I was like, yeah. And they said, well, just in case you can't, it's got an alarm on it as well. So, but uh, anyway, God's good. If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to uh, the New Testament book of Acts, Acts chapter 15. While you're finding that, the Graham family asked that you join them in celebration of Sean and Haley getting married next Saturday. Uh, the wedding's going to be at 5 o'clock at the Graham Farm, the Graham Ponderosa. And if you don't know where that is, it'd be easy for you to find a Graham and get directions. It's about five miles east of uh, town. Uh, but they wanted to invite their church family to be a part of their special day and and celebration. Also, want to share with you the uh, results of the church board election that was held uh, last Sunday. We had a great ballot. It was the closest election that I recall uh, in our church. I wish that we could put every one of the candidates that were on the ballot on the board, but we were only electing four, and the four that you elected were David Kane, Tim Carter, Justin Cooper. And Chase Graham. And I look forward to working along beside them and the rest of our church board uh, in the coming years ahead. I hope that you're having a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we couldn't have ordered up any better weather. Uh, and I uh, hope you uh, have the opportunity to have the day off tomorrow for an extra long weekend. And that you can celebrate that with friends and family. Uh, as David mentioned, it's a very special time uh, for us to all remember those who have paid the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice uh, of their lives so that you and I can enjoy the freedoms that we have living in the greatest nation in this world. Uh, it saddens me to think of those young men and women that have lost their lives uh, on my behalf. They gave their life so that I could have the life that I have today and the freedoms that I enjoy and that we uh, all enjoy. And so we remember them. And my hope is, is that we would honor them and the sacrifice that they've made on our behalf. And while we remember them uh, this weekend, the reason that we gather together today as the body of Christ is to remember the greatest sacrifice, um, the sacrifice that was made for all of humanity, not just one nation, but all nations, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and that's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And because of His sacrifice, today you and I can be a part of the body of Christ. We can be called members of the body of Christ. Uh, we began this series a couple weeks ago, uh, diving into what that means, what it means to be the body. 
the body of Christ, what it looks like uh, being the, the body of Christ, and what is asked of us as the body of Christ, or more widely known today as the church. And uh, I've had several uh, share with me, if you, if you were here last week, you know uh, that uh, we celebrated what God has done through your faithfulness and generosity over the past week. And if you weren't here or you haven't uh, seen that, I encourage you to go to our website, to YouTube, Facebook, uh, look up last week's service where I gave a report to the church on uh, what uh, has taken place over the last year. And I've had several share with me that they had no idea that our church had done so much uh, over the year in our community uh, during a very difficult year for so many. But honestly, uh, you know, what we've done over this past year is simply what this church has been doing right here on this piece of property for the last 117 years. This church was established and formed uh, right here on this piece of ground 117 years ago. And it's always been a church of people who were generous and people who were willing to sacrifice for this community and for the generations to come. It's who we are as the Greenbrier Church of the Nazarene. It's in our DNA. It's what we're composed of and how we were created. We have been blessed to be a blessing uh, to others. And I've often said that if a church closes its doors and the community isn't greatly affected by that church closing, then that church wasn't doing what it was designed to do. And that's probably the very reason that they had to close their doors is because they weren't doing what the church has been called to do. And heaven forbid that that ever happened here, but if we had to close our doors today... I believe that this community would mourn their loss of the Greenbrier Nazarene Church because of your generosity, your sacrificial uh, spirit, and all that you do for this community and in our schools. Uh, I shared with you last week some of what we're doing in the schools. Uh, this past week has been uh, another very busy week for uh, our staff and some volunteers. Uh, Monday, we had the opportunity over at the school, uh, at the middle school, to cook and wrap uh, 500 hot dogs uh, for fifth graders and their families. It was fifth graders that are moving up to the sixth grade, and uh, they were going to the middle school to... Uh, get a walk through, and and uh, part of that was uh, to be fed, and we were able to be a part of that and be a be a blessing to them by preparing all the food. Uh, Wednesday uh, during the day, over at the junior high, uh, we provided some fun and and games, and also pizza, seventy five large pizzas, and we fed over three hundred students and faculty at the junior high on Thursday, and what a blessing it was to be able to do that. Thursday morning, we were at the school for an awards ceremony where we received on your behalf an award of appreciation from our junior high school for all that our church has done for them over this past year. Uh, you 
are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. And while last week we looked at our past and we looked at what God has done today and next week, I want us to focus on the present and to focus on the future. Because like I said last week, yes, we should absolutely celebrate our past. We should celebrate 117 years of God's blessings on this church. We should celebrate what God has done in the history of the church. But we can't live there. We, we can't stay there. We can't get comfortable with what has been done. We can't be comfortable with what has been done, but we should be uncomfortable with the fact of all that still needs to be done and all that is yet to be done for the kingdom of God. And so today I want to go back to Acts 15 where we were a couple of weeks ago. And if you weren't here, basically what we saw was... A uh, uh, probably the first recorded church business meeting to uh, take place, and and what's going on there is there's quite a debate that is taking place uh, among the church and the church leaders uh, about what it takes to become a part of the body of Christ. What is required to be a, a part of uh, the church, and we saw that the body of Christ was growing by leaps and bounds. I want you to think about this. They were seeing thousands added to their number daily. Thousands were being added to the body of Christ daily. We read about here in the book of Acts, and, and we talked about the fact that the body of Christ is not a building, but it's this movement that began that we see recorded there uh, in Acts. And, and what was taking place, the Apostle Paul and other missionaries, they were traveling around all over this region. Uh, they're preaching the good news of Jesus. They're preaching about grace. They're preaching about forgiveness. And, and that anyone who would accept Christ and receive His forgiveness can become a part of the body of Christ, and he's planning all these little gatherings uh, around the region uh, that we refer to now as churches, and he's planning all these churches all around, and here's where the debate was. Paul was basically teaching and preaching grace. He was teaching grace and, and, and forgiveness, and, and, and here's the deal. He was just preaching what Jesus had preached, the message that Jesus had taught and shared and preached so many times with many others. Basically, the, the, what we call the ABCs of evangelism, that you must admit that you're a sinner and you are in need of a Savior and believe that Jesus Christ is that Savior and confess your sins to Him and He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and you become a part of the body of Christ. But the Pharisees, who were these very religious people, but who had now, after they had experienced and witnessed the resurrection, they had come to believe in Jesus, but because of their upbringing and their past and the history uh, of their families and their religion, they were all hung up on these rules. 
uh, they had taken the Ten Commandments. Their ancestors had taken the Ten Commandments, and they had created 600-plus uh, rules or laws that you had to follow in order to be in relationship with God. And, you know, it's easy to set back, look back at what they did and their mindset and kind of condemn them and blame them for, you know, taking this where it really wasn't intended to be taken. But we really can't blame them because this was their history. This was their past. This was what they had been raised up in. And brought up in. And to be honest with you, 2,000 years later, there are still a lot of churches in our culture and in our society that are hung up on the past. They're hung up on rules. They're hung up on rituals. And they haven't moved in to this kingdom building idea that it's all about grace, and it's all about forgiveness, and it's all about Jesus. And so what these people were, were saying, what these religious uh, people were saying was that basically in order to be a part of the body of Christ, you, you've got to clean yourself up. You, you've got to be able to check these boxes before we will allow you in. And if you will do all that and do these things and meet our requirements, then you can be a part of the body of Christ. You can be a child of God. And we all know that now that sounds absolutely ridiculous. All right. And I wrapped up that message by looking at something that James, who was the brother of Jesus, something that he said... And he stands up in this crowd, he's hearing this great debate, and he stands up before them, and since he's the brother of Jesus, I'm pretty sure that his words probably carried a little weight, and he says to the crowd after this great debate has taken place, in verse 19, he says, It is my judgment, therefore that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. The man who probably knew Jesus better than anyone, who probably was as familiar with his teaching and what he was all about better than anyone else, is saying, listen, friends, it's really not that difficult. It's really not that complicated because here's the deal my my brother Jesus did the complicated part he did all the work he checked all the boxes if we will admit believe and confess he did the work on the cross he did the work in an empty tomb so that you and I could be a part of the body. People don't have to do anything other than believe, follow Him, and He will take care of everything else. He will take care of everything else because He has provided for every believer a helper. We did a series called The Holy Spirit. And see, when you accept Christ... You receive Him, you receive His Spirit. 
And you know what? It's the Holy Spirit that begins to work in people's lives. Begins to make those changes. Begins to check those boxes that Scripture says we ought to follow. And the things we ought to do. It's the Holy Spirit that will clean them up. It's the Holy Spirit that will change them. It's the Holy Spirit that will give them a servant's heart. And stir them to want to be a part of building the kingdom of God. It's the Holy Spirit that will make them generous people. Helping others. Giving to the ministry of the church. Feeding the hungry. Helping the widows and reaching the lost. So James is saying, bottom line, basically this, church. Let's not make it hard for people to be a part of that. Let's not make it difficult for people to accept Christ. Let's not make it difficult for people to become a part of the body of Christ. And here's the deal. James' message has not changed. It has not changed. And here's the deal. If we're going to be the body of Christ in 2021 and going forward here in Greenbrier, we too should not make it difficult for people to come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior and turn to God. Because contrary to some beliefs, the body of Christ is really not about the people that are already here, but it's about the people who are not here yet. It's about the people who are out there. Jesus said, don't get in your holy huddle and stay there and feel all good about yourself and what you, you've done. He says, go. Go and make disciples. And we should not make it difficult for the people out there to become a part of what God is doing in here. And just so you know, I'm not standing up here today reprimanding anybody. Uh, because if you've been around here for very long, you know that this church gets it. It's done it. It always has done it. The church is good at this. Our church has been blessed uh, beyond measure, because we have been faithful, and we have been generous, and we have carried out the great commission that Jesus has given us. But now we have all of this. We have these awesome facilities that God has blessed us with. Any church would love to have the facilities and technology and the things that we have that we've been blessed to have. We have all these people, over 500 members. There's not a lot of Nazarene churches in this world today that can say they have over 500 members in their church. We've been greatly blessed. We have an absolutely incredible staff. One of the most sacrificial, one of the most... Uh, willing to serve, to do anything, do whatever it takes to minister to the congregation and this community. And folks, yes, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. But we have to be careful 
we have to be careful that we don't become like the church in Acts 15. They wanted to preserve what they had. They wanted to preserve the past. They wanted to preserve their rules and their rituals and the way things had always been done in the past. And they were seeing thousands of people come to Christ. But then it's like, wait a minute. This is getting messy. (laughs) I, I want you to think about it. If we begin to see a thousand people come to know Christ every day and a part of the church, it would be chaos, would it not? I want you to think about what they were experiencing. Things were getting messy. These new people coming in, they're weird. They, they, they don't do things like we've always done things. Those nasty Gentiles, they, they don't know what to eat. They eat the wrong foods. They do the wrong things. They, they don't know how to dress. Good grief, did you see that guy come in? Wearing a pair of shorts. We don't like where this is going. We don't like the direction of this. This is getting messy. But here's the deal. There's a world out there of people that don't know Jesus and need to be saved. We ain't going to change them. But He will. If we'll introduce them to Him. He'll take care of everything that needs to be taken care of when they receive the Holy Spirit. We can't expect them to walk in here looking like us, acting like us, doing the things that we do because they don't know Him. They have not yet begun to be changed by Him. And so, yes, it's going to be messy. And it may at times seem like chaos. And we may step back and go, whoa, what is that? And what's going on here? But we must not make it difficult for people to come to know Christ. And as your pastor, I want to encourage you, as I encourage myself, to continue to be a part of what God wants to do in this world to continue to be a part of this movement. We must be willing to add to the body of Christ, even if it gets messy. Because think about it. Somebody did it for you. Somebody did it for me. There were great sacrifices made so that you and I could be a part of the body of Christ. There were people that overlooked the way that we were living And the things that we were doing. And they boldly invited us to be a part of the body. To come to the body. And we must continue that. We must be willing to do the same for our generation and the generation to come. And here's the deal. Probably the messiest area in the body of Christ and the church. Our children and student ministries. <laughs> I did it for a long time. Uh, probably got in more trouble 
because of it and the way that I did it. Um, and I, I always remember whenever the kids were acting up or I remember one time uh, uh, we were having a, uh, uh, I want to call it all-nighter, that's not what it's called, uh, lock-in. Thank God those are a thing in the past. But we were having a lock-in and a hole got knocked in the wall of the church. And I, I'll never forget any time anything like that happened. Anytime anything bad happened or something got damaged or something got broke or they were running wild in the church, someone would come to me and say, Your kids did this. Your kids. It's messy doing children's ministry. It's messy doing teen ministry. But I want you to look at what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 5 and 6, he said, And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. We got some rugrats in this place. I, I agree. But here's the deal. Anyone who welcomes a little child on his behalf is welcoming Jesus. That's what he said. And he says, this is serious. Because if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. I think he's pretty clear here. He's extremely clear that teaching kids and raising our kids to know about Him and give their lives for Him is a huge responsibility. We must take it seriously and we must do it well because here's the deal. Those kids are God's kids first. First and foremost. They're His. They're His kids. Another reason that we must do this well, and it's an interesting trend that we're seeing in churches today all across America. And I just wanted to put this on the screen this morning so that you could see it. Something new in our culture that we didn't experience when we were young, but this, parents will go to a church that they like just a little bit, if their kids love it. And parents will leave a church that they like a lot if their kids don't like it. And we may look at that and go, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's the way it ought to be. Friends, this is the culture that we live in today. We can disagree with it. We can argue with it. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Kids are making the decisions about where and when the families are going to attend church. Churches that are active right now, churches that are growing, churches that are the most effective in building the kingdom of God and making a difference in this world today, you look at them. 
there are churches that are making children and student ministries a priority in their communities. And this all begins in the nursery. Our children's department, which is the nursery through the sixth grade. In my annual report last week that I gave, I didn't go into great detail. I told you some some neat things that they had done over the past year in our children and student ministries. Friends, our children's ministry is led by Amanda Odom. She's our director over that ministry, and she does an outstanding job. Uh, She is incredibly creative. Uh, She's a visionary. Uh, She looks at things differently than a regular pastor might look at things. And under the direction of Amanda and with the help of volunteers, we have an awesome children's ministry. We currently have a little over 130 children that are enrolled in our children's ministry today. Over 130 And they have an awesome summer planned uh, for our kids. Uh, We've got many that are signed up to go to church camp and just all kinds of fun things going on this uh, summer. It started this past week. Those of you that have kids, uh, some of you uh, probably got a visit to your home, but each child in our church uh, is having a special summer care package delivered to their home. Uh, some received that, those this past week. Others will be receiving them this week. Filled with uh, some fun stuff, some summertime games to play, and water guns and things that will make their parents absolutely miserable. You're welcome. But also included in that summer gift is a devotional book. Uh, and there will be videos that are posted throughout the summer that coincide with those devotions in the books that our families have received. And parents, I just want to encourage you to do these devotions with your kids throughout the summer. And not just the summer, but maybe it'll become a habit uh, for you. Uh, I know in our family, we did children's devotions with our kids when they were smaller, and as they got older, uh, we, you know, upped the level of what we were doing with them on a daily basis at night, Uh, and even when they went to college. And this might be helpful for some of you that just uh, struggle with studying the Bible, but Lynette, in her daily Bible study, would just take some notes from what she studied that morning in her devotional or her Bible study, and she would text that out to our boys when they were in college and to our family. And we'd have that every single day. Parents, I encourage you to instill the Word of God into your children. It's the most important thing that you can give them, is to teach them the Word of God and His will for their lives. So I encourage you this summer to do those devotions that you're being given 
with your children throughout the summer. And I understand that summer is a time filled with fun and vacations. Uh, This is another cultural change that we are seeing in the church. When I was a kid, a vacation was maybe a weekend (laughs) to Silver Dollar City or Dog Patch, right? Today, vacations are getting much bigger and broader and for longer amounts of times, and that's fine. You know, take your vacations, enjoy uh, time with your family. But here's the trend that we are seeing in churches all across America today. Families are taking vacation away from the church during the summer. Not just while they're gone off traveling for a week or two, but they're taking the entire summer off. And I'll just be as honest with you as I possibly can. There's no greater neglect of a child. No greater neglect than spiritual neglect of our children. All for the sake of fun and taking a summer off. We are planting seeds in the life of these children that will change and steer their entire life. All of their life. What is being instilled in them as a child will guide them and lead them in their life. And not only that, but what we instill in our children will affect their eternity, which is so much more important. The most important thing. I believe that's why Jesus puts such an emphasis on teaching children and not hindering them from knowing Him and being in a relationship with Him. Friends, it's an awesome responsibility. It's a huge responsibility that we've been given. 130 kids are in our care right now. Last night, last night, last week, I shared uh, with you some of the highlights of our teen ministry that's led by our youth pastor, uh, Daniel. Uh, Daniel is awesome. Uh, Awesome parents. He was raised in the church. These things were instilled in him all of his life. And when I hired Daniel, uh, we were one of the largest churches on the district. We had one of the largest youth ministries in the district. Daniel and Emily were straight out of school. And people were saying, what are you doing? He don't have any experience. Be like, he'll get the experience. I can't teach him what he's got. It's a gift. Those of you that know him, know he's got a gift connecting to people, connecting to students. And he also is very passionate about leading them to Christ. You can't teach that. I can teach him lots of stuff. But I can't teach him passion. I can't teach him how to connect to other people. I can't teach someone not to be lazy. And he is not lazy. 
That boy got more energy than five of us put together. He does an amazing job. This ministry that he leads is for students from 7th to 12th grade. We currently have over 50 students that are a part of our teen ministry. And not just these 50 students, but like I said, Daniel is very well known in our community and in our schools. And he has an opportunity, he has an open invitation to any campus in this school district. And he ministers to hundreds while he's there on a regular basis. Our teen ministry is making a difference in the lives of teenagers. Now, if you did the math, with over 130 plus in nursery through 6th grade and over 50 in our teen ministry, we have close to 200 kids in our care. Our responsibility Close to 200. That's a huge responsibility that God has given our church. And like last week, I shared with you, those who have been given much are expected much more. Much more is expected of us because we have been blessed with much. And each of these student ministries in our church are larger than most churches in our denomination as a whole. And here's the deal. It's a big job, and they need our support. Now, I also want to say this about that number, 180 plus. Those of you that come on Wednesday night and those of you that venture back to children's ministry on Sunday mornings, you know, as well as I do, that's not how many come. That's how many have come and have been apart throughout the last year. But that's not how many faithfully come. Who does that fall on? Seems a lot of kids are making the decisions about whether they're going to go to church or not. When it's the parent's responsibility to guide their children and lead them in the ways that they should go. And it's a big job. And and Amanda and Daniel and the faithful volunteers that work in that area, they need our support. They need our whole support. Because here's the deal. This is your church It's your children's ministry. It's your teen ministry. It's yours. It's all of our responsibility as a whole. And in light of that, I think it's fair to ask as your pastor to ask you a hard question today. Are you a part of what God is doing? Are you a part of what God is doing in the body of Christ? Or are you just along for the ride? Because here's the deal. As the body, I want you to look at what Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 4. 
He said, just as our physical bodies have many parts, many working parts, and each part has a special function. Don't miss that. Each part of the body has a special function. And he goes on to say, and I didn't put it up there, but in verse 5, he goes on to say, so it is with Christ's body. Many people are members of this body. Over 500 that are official members right now. And some look at it like this. With membership comes perks and privileges, right? We hear that. That's what's ingrained in us. That's our culture. With membership comes its perks. With membership comes these privileges. I'm a member and so I should be treated a certain way. I'm a member, and so I ought to be able to dictate the way things are done. I am a member, and I should be catered to, and so should my children. This morning, I'm not asking you to be a member of a church. I'm asking you to be a part of the body. Because as a part of a body, you're not just a member but you're an owner of the body. You're an owner. Members expect something. What do owners do? They invest in something. Owners want success. Owners want the entire body to be successful and productive. And they're willing to pour themselves themselves into it to make sure that it happens also as an owner you're willing to do the work because you're invested in it you own it you're part of it it's you it's who you are and you're willing to do the work members they expect people to serve them and work for them but owners are the ones that are doing the work there's no reason There's no reason that our ministry leaders should have to beg week in and week out for people to help in their respected areas. There's absolutely no reason for that. I'm going to tell you an ongoing conversation. I'll just give you a little peek into staff meeting that we have every Tuesday. Every week we talk about How can we get more people involved? How can we get more volunteers? We have a technology program that sends out requests each week to people uh, that, you know, whether they'll serve in different areas of the church. Often, no responses. And then a lot of times just can't, not going to be there. And we, we, it's been going on for 10 years every staff meeting we talk about how are we going to fill this spot what are we going to do here what are we going to do there we need more people to be involved folks sometimes we just need a warm body one that's breathing to stand in front of the nursery door and keep people little people from getting out see our goal sometimes is we're so overwhelmed We're just trying to keep them out of Highway 65, all right? 
They're not learning a lot about Jesus other than they hear us calling on His name for help. Can I ask you this morning, I see some of you wrapped in a blanket, but are you a warm body? Are you a warm body? Because if you are, you're qualified. Again, we have nearly 200 young people in our care. A couple of people can't maintain all that. There's no way. But here's the deal, because we talk to a lot of people about volunteering and helping in different areas and serving. And we're really going to begin to make a push for this over the summer and going into the fall. But here's the deal. We often think, I can't do that because I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified to do it. I don't know enough to do it. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do. I want you to look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in verse 7. He says, we now, he's talking to followers of Christ. He's talking to the body of Christ, people that have accepted him. We now have this light shining in our hearts, right? But we ourselves, we're like fragile clay jars. Doesn't that describe us so well? We've accepted Christ and we've got Him living and dwelling in us and we've got this light, we've got this treasure in our hearts, but boy, we're jacked up. We're fragile clay jars and whew, containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God not from ourselves. Don't miss this. Paul is saying that as a follower of Jesus, as the part of the body of Christ, we have this great treasure. And yes, we're fragile and we're not adequate. But our weaknesses and our imperfections that we have are not an excuse They're not an excuse for not allowing God to use us to share this treasure. It's the power of God working in us and through us that does that. Your power comes through Him. And that's the way it should be, right? Next week, we're going to talk about being faithful. Being faithful and helping us to keep a church that is always open and welcoming to people that don't consider themselves church people. And as an owner in this movement, we've got to be faithful in what we do and how we do it. So we're going to talk about that next week. I didn't want to talk about being faithful this week because I knew it was Memorial Day and it'd probably be a small crowd. Um... So, uh, hopefully, there'll be a lot more back next week. But here's the deal. I'm going to be faithful in my call of asking you to serve as part of the body of Christ. As your pastor, I'm going to be faithful in asking you to do your part as an owner and a part of the body of Christ. So... Let's be careful that we don't 
get caught up in what we see here in Acts chapter 15. Let's be careful that we don't become a church with the same problems that we saw there trying to protect something as opposed to advancing something. Because you see, that's what a movement does. It advances. It doesn't protect the past. Because you know what? I believe James was right when he stood up before those people and he said, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I can't answer all the questions. But this is what I know. Let's not make it difficult for people to accept Jesus as their Savior. Let's not make it hard. Let's not make it a burden. Because that burden was lifted on Calvary. We should not make it difficult for people to turn to God. And if that's our mindset, if that will be our mindset as the church, and we accept that as our responsibility, then I'm going to tell you, God's going to use us. God will use us. And perhaps God will use you in a very unique way, maybe. Or maybe He'll use you to do something remarkable in our generation for the next generation and those that follow us. And as we continue to be a part of this movement that is called the body of Christ.